Hello, and welcome to the Abundant Life Church podcast and sermon archives. If you would like more information about our church, you can go online to alcalabaster.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you, and please enjoy this week's message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you want to transform your personal devotion time, most of us probably know Isaiah 9, 6. We quote it around Christmas. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called... Memorize those names and incorporate that in the first five or ten minutes of your personal devotion. It will transform your life. And his name shall be called Wonderful. The English language is quickly exalted when we get past Wonderful. Because he is more wonderful than I can believe. He is more wonderful than I can imagine. He is more wonderful than the English language can even describe. You can spend some time right there on you are wonderful. You are counselor. If you need some advice in your life, call on the counselor, not a counselor. You are the counselor. You're the one that knows the end from the beginning. You're the one that knows everything in between. You're the one I can go to and receive sound advice. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God. That says it all. You are omnipotent. You are omniscient. Woo. You are omnipresent. You are God. Amen. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, that speaks to the omnipotence of God in flesh who came to dwell among us to give his life for my sins so that I can be saved. The Prince of Peace. If you need peace in your life, call on the Prince of Peace. Amen. Praise God. So good to see everyone here today. Glad that y'all are here. And um, I will let you be seated. Today I will be incorporating some scriptures into my sermon. So I will let you be seated. At this time, I would like for Brother Mike, as promised, if you were in the adult class today, I'm going to show you a couple of pictures. So Brother Michael, if you could put the pictures on the board, and we're going to take the lights down so that you guys can see it. This is a... This is a decoration in my neighborhood, and we have a Facebook page, and this guy decorates every year for Halloween in the front of his yard. And so the description on Facebook was he has built this, uh, um, this, this gangplank, this, this thing that goes across a moat, and he's put this moat in, and then there's a movie of a, of a witch uh, uh, in the, uh, across the gangplank, the gangway there. And then to the left, you can see the, uh, to the right, you can see the water and there's some dead trees in there. To the left, you can see this stuff there. And it's all lit up and, and I saw this picture and then I actually drove by and took this picture and, and it was promised to be this big, huge deal about, you know, be careful walking the gangplank and all this. So 
uh, during my devotion time, when the weather is nice, I like to go out and walk my neighborhood um, and pray. And so as part of my devotion time, I hit the street probably around 5.30 or 5.40, which at this time of the year is completely dark. And so I'm out walking my neighborhood and I'm walking the sidewalk and not really paying attention to what I'm doing. And I stumble up on this moat. And I'm like, wow. He wasn't kidding. He built it right across the sidewalk. So it's pitch dark and I have to detour out into the street. And, and then show this next picture if you don't mind. I went back during the daytime and took this picture. The display, to be honest with you, is very underwhelming because the moat might be three inches deep. You see how long the game plank is and without the scary movie playing, it looks just like a pile of trash in this guy's front yard. So I was very underwhelmed when I saw it in the daylight. We can take the lights back up. I want to preach to us today the reminders from the Red Sea and talk to us about perspective because it is time for us to get rid of the perspective that we are done for, that there is no way we can win because the devil wants to present the picture with the lights on and the movie playing, but God says during the daytime, it's not nearly as frightening as it was when I saw the picture on Facebook. There's not a whole lot to it. I believe that God wants to speak to us today and say that it is a matter of perspective. <laughs> Amen. God had provided miracle after miracle on behalf of his people. And finally, all of these culminated with leading them straight out of slavery and away from the deplorable conditions in Egypt. And they were finally free. They were free from oppression, captivity, and bondage. And when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on a road, on the road that made the most sense. In Exodus chapter 13, it explains that, all, that although the path through the Philistine-occupied territory was shorter and made more sense, God chose not to do that because He knew if they faced war, they might change their minds and become, uh, and become a feeling of despair and become discouraged and want to return back to Egypt. So he led them around the desert wasteland and they traveled on a dry, dusty road toward the Red Sea. It was hot, it was barren, it was wasteland and it didn't make any sense, but God knew what he was doing. As the Israelites got closer and closer to the Red Sea, it probably began to look bigger and deeper than they had imagined. And as their eyes focused on the problem, they forgot about the bigness of their God. When we start to face our problems and start to focus on them, then we lose the perspective about how big God is. When I get consumed with my problems and wonder how all of that's going to work out, then it's very hard for me to see how big God is. They had a lot of questions, but perhaps the biggest one was this. How do we make a U-turn with two million people behind us? Folks, it is easier to go forward than it is to go backwards. Keep on looking at your future. Keep on believing that God knows what he is doing. Keep on explaining to your family God knows what he's doing. That's why we're on this path. This is why we're doing what we're doing. 
Today when you leave here, go sit in your car and see how much bigger the windshield is than your rear view mirror. It's like a half a percent or a tenth of a percent as big as your windshield. You know why? Because where you're going is more important than where you have been. You can't do anything about your past. You can't do anything about where you came from. But you can change your future. God is in control and you can change your future. Amen. I want to give us nine reminders from the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 13, verse 18. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. The sons of Israel went up in battle array. Notice this. It was not some, we're just going, so go when you want to go. But they were in orderly ranks. They were in marching formation. God never does anything in chaos. He moves in order. He moves in plans. He moves in a way that is acceptable to his will and he knows what he is doing even if the way he is leading you doesn't make sense keep on going and following God because his timing is never off and his way is never off and his compass is never broken God knows what he is doing in our lives my only requirement is to follow him amen even though it might not be what I would have chosen, the way I would have gone, God knows what he is doing. And we can thank him every day for his sovereignty and his care over us. God has our best interest at heart. Number two, God leads our way. Exodus 13, 21. The presence of the Lord was going before them by day in a pillar or a column of cloud to lead them along the way. And in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they could travel by day and by night. I had never thought about this until I started studying this out for this sermon. The children of Israel had an advantage that the Egyptians knew nothing about. They had God on their side. The Egyptians had to pack it up and go to camp at night because they couldn't see but the children of God were still marching by day and marching by night because God provided a light for them. In darkness, God is our light. In darkness, we can see clearly. In darkness, we can see to move about because God knows what he is doing. God does not leave us by ourselves. We don't struggle to find our way. He leads us. He promises to do this. We might not see a pillar or a cloud or a fire in these days, but we have his word and the Holy Spirit to give us guidance. And he is with us. He gives us wisdom. He provides direction. He goes ahead of us. He walks with us and guards our way from behind. Think about this. He has us surrounded. He is walking around me. He has my back protected. He has my front in front of me. And he protects me on the flanks. The enemy cannot get to me as long as I am in the will of God. Number three, God is able to turn the hearts of kings. Exodus chapter 14, verse 4. I will harden, make stubborn, defiant Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them and I will be glorified and honored through Pharaoh and all of his army and the Egyptians shall know without any doubt 
and acknowledged that I am the Lord, and they did so. God can use your enemy to prove how big he is. God can use your enemy that seems to be overpowering you to give glory to his name and give glory to your situation. You are not by yourself. God will show himself faithful to us, and God will deliver us if we will just stay with him and stay with the plan. Never think for one second your enemy has the advantage over you. He does not. Your enemy is limited by how far God will let him go. The enemy cannot touch your life without getting God's permission first. We are not by ourselves. Praise God. God provides direction. God provides strength. He holds all things in his hands. God can turn any situation to bring glory to his name. And all these things work so that his will will be performed and that everyone will know he is the one true God. There is no other. I like number four. When we see obstacles, God sees opportunities. Exodus 14 and 9, the Egyptians chased them with all their horses and their war chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them as they camped by the sea. God will make a way where there seems to be no way out. The bigger the problem, the bigger God shows up. The bigger the problem in your life, the greater the victory. Without a fight, we can't ever have victory. Amen. Probably very few people in here love a good testimony more than I do. Amen. I love to hear about how people were miraculously healed, how people were miraculously delivered. Anybody like those? Amen. I love those. I thought about, man, one day I'd love to have this great big testimony. How great God is and what he did. And then I thought about, uh uh-oh, that means I got to go through something in order to get a testimony. Before I can testify that God can heal me, guess what, folks? i got to be sick. Before I can testify that God healed me of cancer, I've got to have cancer first. Before I can tell how God gave me my finances when everything was shot, that means I would have had to fall in on hard times. Sometimes we want the great victory, but we don't want to have to pay the price to get there. Yet the greater the sacrifice, the greater the thing in my life, the bigger God looks. And he gets the glory. So when we're going through something, when we're enduring something, you know what we need to do? Stay faithful to God and know that he has everything figured out. God makes a way where there is no way. God sees problems as opportunities. And when things are looking bleak and dark, God has a plan. God never has no plan. He always has the way of escape. God always sees the end. God always sees us being successful. All we've got to do is hang on until we get there. Number five is powerful. We can either focus on the problem or we can choose to trust in God. I call it analysis paralysis. I'm going to give you a little preview and then I'm going to hit that one too. But we can become so focused on the problem that we fail to see God. We can go, become so focused on the problem that we fail to see the will of God. 
and we can become so enamored with our situation that we forget to call on God and let Him deliver us from the situation that we're in. Exodus 14 and 14, the Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. As long as we're running around like our hair's on fire, the devil's got us exactly where he wants us. As long as I'm making laps around thinking about how bad this is and how this is never going to work out, the enemy has me exactly where he wants me. You know what I need to do? Stop being chased. You know how you stop being chased? You stop. Amen. Praise God. If a dog ever catches a car, he won't know what to do with it. It's exciting as long as the car's moving. But when the car stops, there's nothing to chase. If a cat's being chased by a dog, all he's got to do is stop. Come on. And the dog doesn't know what to do because the cat's never stopped before. You know why the enemy's chasing some of us? We've never stopped. (laughs) Amen. He's chasing us in circles. All you need to do is stop. The Bible says be still and remain calm, believing that God has everything under control and all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. And God knows exactly what is going on. And he's already seen the victory before we ever entered into the fight. The Israelites were terrified. They saw the enemy coming up behind them. They doubted their leadership. They questioned God. They complained. They grumbled. They panicked. Yet God did not get mad at their humanity or their fears. He only asked their obedience and their trust. God does not ask us to figure it out. He says, just trust me. Sometimes trust is the hardest thing to learn because when I turn my life over to him and trust him with everything, that means I am no longer in charge. Amen. Amen. Praise God. How many of you had kids that you had to teach to drive? Raise your hand real, real quick. How many of you got kids that are coming up that you will have to teach to drive? It's going to be fun. I taught... I taught our our kids how to drive, and I think Pam might have got involved in some... Situations. I think Pam's trying, still trying to teach me to drive. Her position is in the passenger seat, stomping on the floorboard. And she's like, my brake doesn't work over here. There's nothing that she can do sitting in the passenger seat. It does no good to stomp on the floorboard. It might make you feel better, but nothing is going to happen. Sometimes that's the way we are with God. We are sitting over there trying to figure it out, and God is saying, just be still and be calm. I've got everything figured out. It's going to work out. All you need to do is just sit down and let me work the situation out. And instead of getting involved in it, I just need to work. Worship Him and praise Him for the solution. Amen. Amen. I think the first car that Anthony got was a stick shift. Eddie said, oh boy. And he didn't have a clue 
how to drive a stick shift. And I don't think Pam had the patience or the strong enough heart to teach him. And I'll never forget, I think it was a Mitsubishi Eclipse. We took it over here, over here, to the, now the intermediate school, right? Used to be the middle school. And when you go up, when you turn in, there's this, this long driveway that goes up at a pretty good angle. Some of y'all are shaking your heads. Y'all been there. So I told Anthony, the only way to learn how to drive a stick shift, you got to start on a hill. Because <laughs> if you get the hill mastered, you can handle anybody can drive a stick on flat ground. That ain't nothing. <laughs> got to get it on that hill, right? So I'm thinking, I'm a good teacher, great instructor. I was driving stick shifts before this guy was even born. I got this. So we, <laughs> we pulled the emergency brake up. We switched sides, got in there, and I said, all right, here's what you got to do. Give it a little throttle, let off on the, well, put it in first, first. Little gas, let off on the clutch, and it'll start, right? Whoo. After about three or four times, I'm like, this wasn't a good idea. This guy can't drive a stick. Thought he's a little more coordinated than this. So we started up way almost up to the top. By the time we finished, we're way down at the bottom. We ain't made any forward progress. <laughs> I saw the goal, but it kept getting further and further away. True story. Pam and I are at Jackson. We're, we're pulling out Sunday after, Sunday after church. There's a line of cars everywhere. We're, we're up on a little bitty rise to get ready to pull on to Robinson Road. Take a left. Go to lunch. I looked behind me, and one of our best friends had just gotten a Mazda RX-7, five-speed. And she can't drive a stick either. She's got the flat ground. She can't handle that. So I would watch her, and she'd put that thing in gear and let out, and it boop, 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 stop. It coast back down. Start back up, boop, 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 stop. Coast back down. I'm like, wow, this is entertaining. <laughs> I'm ready to buy a ticket for this show. Finally, Pam said, for goodness sakes, will you get out and go back there and help that girl get that thing up the hill? Because we will be here all day. So I went back there. Her name was Pam. I said, Pam, if you don't mind, I'm not trying to be offensive or anything, but if you'll slide over to the passenger seat, I promise I'll get you out of here. Because I can handle this. Sometimes we are just like that in our lives. The devil seeing us bump that thing up the hill and coast back down. He's celebrating and saying, yeah, I got you right where. God is saying, hang on just a second. Why don't you let me over there for a minute? I've already handled this. I already know how to get you up the hill. Just be still and be calm and let me have it. Amen. Number six, I've saved the controversial one for number six. The one that we could be misunderstood with. Prayer is vital. Somebody say prayer is vital. Prayer is a must. Daily devotion is a must. But sometimes you've got to get up and get moving. You can't sit there and study all day. You can't sit there and pray all day. Sooner or later, you've got to get up and walk. This is the analysis paralysis. There is a time for analyzing. There is a time for study. There is a time for planning. But sooner or later, you got to get up and start walking. 
And God, I believe, is speaking to us today and saying, now is the time to walk. Exodus 14 and 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the sons of Israel to move forward toward the sea. There's a sea in front, an army behind. There's sea to the left and sea to the right. And Moses is standing there with the people and they are amazed and they're dismayed and they're, 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 they're thinking there is no way out of this. And then God gives them instructions, move forward. But God, there's a sea in front of me. And he says, move forward. But God, you don't know where I am. And he says, yes, I do. Move forward. Sometimes we just got to trust God and get up and take a step and say, God, I don't understand, but I'm moving forward. God sometimes asks for our stillness. But then other times he says, get going. So it's important to listen to his voice and to know when to be still and when to know when to get up and move. The only way we get that answer is through listening to God. We have to listen to his voice. God never leads in confusion. Let me say that again. God never leads in confusion. God does not operate in chaos. God operates in clarity of vision. When God speaks, it is clear and it is assuring. It is not confusing. The enemy pro, uh, focuses in on confusion. Right? Praise God. If you've never done this, try to find your country road after a rainstorm. It's pretty amazing. If you go out down a dirt road or a gravel road and it has rained recently, you can pull up to a, a pothole or a sinkhole in the, in the road there and the water in that mud puddle will be perfectly clear. But as soon as you step in it, or throw something in it, or stir it with a stick, it becomes very murky. You know what the devil likes to do? Get the stick. And stir it up. And instead of having clarity of vision, you and I are in a place where it looks like we can't see anything. You know what we need to do? Be still. Quit stirring it up. And let God move and take care of it because God knows what he's doing. His voice leads us the way we need to go. So here's what we do. There are times when we get stuck. And instead of moving, we use the old adage, I'm praying about it. There are some things it doesn't take two years of prayer to figure out. There's some things it doesn't take 20 minutes of prayer to figure out. You know what we need to do? We need to quit praying about it and then move forward. We need to start doing what He has already provided and walking in the glory and the wisdom that He's already taken and given to us. And then we need to trust Him that He will always open doors for us and then He will close some doors for us. 
I believe God closes doors sometimes. I believe God opens doors sometimes. We have to be spiritual enough that we can discern when a door is closed. And then spiritual enough to know when a door is opened, right? If God closes a door, don't sit there with your pry bar trying to get it open. Leave it and find the open door. God never leads us down a path where there is no exit. God never puts us in a box without a way out. Sometimes we get impatient and instead of looking for the exit, we try to create one. And that's the worst thing we can do is when God's got us in a situation is to try to shortcut it. Amen. My wife and daughter are here today. The longest distance between two points is a shortcut. My daughter's nodding vigorously. Because I have a tendency to drop off the interstate and say, hey, I found a shortcut. And then about 20 or 25 minutes into the shortcut, I'm selling them on how pretty the scenery is. Because you could not have seen this on the interstate. And their response is, but doesn't the interstate go exactly where we're going? And the speed limit is 70, but you can drive 76. Brother Phil, put your hands over your ears. You can drive 76 and 50 won't pull you over. And they start doing all these calculations and you've got us out here in this pretty scenery where you can drive 40 miles an hour and stop at all the red lights, how in the world is this faster? Well, it's probably not, but it's prettier. What we need to do is quit trying to shortcut what God is doing. There is only one way to go to school for four years and get a degree, and that's to go to school for four years. There's only one way to be married 10 years, and that is to be married 10 years. You can't shortcut that. You don't go up to your wife on the fifth anniversary and say, congratulations, honey, we've been married eight years. Her next question is, to whom? Because we've only been married five years. There is no way to speed that up. There's some things, it just takes time. And you just have to trust God that He knows what He is doing and He has not forsaken you or abandoned you. Just hang with the program. God has a plan. God, number seven, God will work powerfully on your behalf. But He often asks for obedience first. That's the hard part. We love the victory. We love the celebrations. We love the high fives. We love all of that. But often before we get to that victorious time in our lives, there is a time of obedience where God says you have to obey. Exodus 14 and 16, As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the sons of Israel may go through the middle of the sea on dry land. God asked Moses to do one thing. Stretch out your staff. 
He was asked to obey the word of God. And when Moses raised his rod and stretched out his hand, the mighty power of God was unleashed, but not until Moses obeyed. Amen. It was not another option. It was not a multiple choice situation. God told Moses, do one thing. Stretch out your hand, put your staff out, and watch the mighty power of God move. But if Moses had chose to do it his way, they would have still been there with the enemy approaching. God says, you have to trust me, and you have to follow instructions and do it my way. Here's how God works. When God got involved, the sea not only divided, but the people walked through it on dry ground. I'd never really thought about this either. But if you drain the water, it takes days sometimes for it to dry out. This is powerful here. Just as the children of of God were not destined to walk in the mud and the mire... God provided a way. Not only did he part the water, but he dried up their path. Not only can God get you through your obstacle, you can get through there with comfort and assurance, and you don't have to get down in the pig pen and wallow around in the muck and the mire. God will dry it up for you. God will change situations for you. God will make a way. When there seems to be no way, God can straighten it out. He dries up our path and we walk through on dry ground knowing exactly where we are going. He is our sure foundation. Number eight, God will stand us before, between us and the enemy. We never fight alone. Exodus 14 and 19, the angel of God who had been going in front of the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. Amen. The pillar of cloud moved from in front of them and stood behind them because that is what they needed right then. He will send his angels to fight for us and he will put them in strategic locations where they are needed most. God is not just throwing darts at a board. God knows exactly what is needed and God can handle that. So God is not guessing about the solution. God already knows you and I guess about it. But all I'm required to do is to obey and then see the deliverance of God. Number nine, our God is a God of miracles. Exodus 14 and 31, when Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, they feared the Lord with reverence and all filled respect, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. It is amazing what a victory does. It solves a lot of stuff. And when they saw the miraculous power of God, it changed their thinking. Some of us just need to see a miracle. Some of us just need to see a solution to a problem and know that God has everything under control. We might be facing our own Red Sea moment today. You might think the enemy is on your trail, and not only is he on your trail, but he's gaining ground. Maybe it is hard to see the solution right now. Amen. 
but God knows what He is doing. Our present situation never changes this one truth. He is with us. And He fights for us. And He cannot fail us. He will lead us. He will bring glory to Himself through even the hardest circumstances I might face in my life. I believe trials serve two purposes. Number one, it shows us how strong we are. You ever face something you knew there was no way you could get through it? Yet you came through it. Number two, God is always glorified in a trial. Because when I get to the point where I know I don't have it figured out and there's no way I can make it, and then God shows up and shows out, I realize it's the power of God. And I realize that God had everything under control. Amen. Praise God. I want to try something real, real quick. We'll see if it'll work. Amen. If it don't, I'm going to have to show it on my phone, and it's going to be really, really small. But I'm going to try it. All right. Here we go. It's going to be on my phone. Praise God. All right. I was thinking. I like to have illustrations when I'm preaching. Most of us in this church know we are interested in the building next door. We're trying to... God's got it figured out. We're just trying to catch up with God. How about that? So I went over this morning. I stepped out during service. And I took a picture of the building. I love perspective. I love perspective. I'm going to walk around so y'all can see the picture. It's a great thing about a lapel mic. I can move around the audience. I took this picture right up against the building. That was my perspective of the building. All you, Sorry, I can't walk out that far. I'm limited. <laughs> Got an electronic leash. It's like having an ankle bracelet. I can't go but so far. Amen. That's what that building looks like with me standing right up against it, holding my phone down, taking a picture toward the top of the roof. See it? So it dawned on me the other day, that's kind of the perspective I've had of that building. I'm right up on it. All I can see is this part of it. I don't know how it's all going to work out. I don't know how the money's going to fit. And then it just dawned on me the other day, how about if we looked at it the way God sees it? It's not an obstacle after all, is it? From 10,000, 12,000 feet, it looks like the size of a small postage stamp. You think the building next door is an obstacle to God? A thousand years ago, he knew exactly where that building would be built. Brother Travars, he saw this church here 75, 100 years before we ever even thought about it. But then, this is all I see. How many times has your, your marriage had problems or a situation in your life, and that's all you could see was just the problem? And you know what? The enemy wants you to focus on that. He want, Perspective changes everything. He wants you focused on that so that you can't see anything else. And God is saying, wait a minute. Let me show it to you from 30,000 feet. It's not an obstacle at all. Right? From the looks of this, I could just step over the building. 
From the looks of this, that is not an obstacle at all. I believe God is speaking to us today. And the thing that we are seeing as a huge obstacle in our life, God is saying, if you will just trust me, there is nothing to that. God's got it under control. The Red Sea was an inconvenience, not an obstacle. The Red Sea was an opportunity for God to destroy the army behind them, not to punish His people. God said, if you will trust me and just let me work, God knew for, uh, for sure that if you go through another route, you're going to have to fool with these Egyptians from now on. But if you will trust me and go to the place that looks like a dead end, I will take care of your enemy and you'll never see that one again. God wanted complete victory for His children. I believe that God is a complete God. God doesn't do anything halfway. God doesn't lead you to a partial victory and then say, well, good luck, you can figure the rest of it out. But I believe God leads us through total victories. God's plans for our lives will never be derailed or detoured by the attacks of the enemy. The enemy is not strong enough to mess up what God has put into place. Amen. God's way is always perfect. God's not guessing at this. God's not holding the GPS thinking, man, I hope I don't make a wrong turn. He's already got it all figured out. What you and I have to do, and this is the hardest thing to do, you and I have to trust Him. Amen. I'll never forget the first time that I sat in the passenger seat and one of my kids drove me somewhere. That's the definition of trust. Amen. Never forget the first time we turned one of ours loose. Anthony was the oldest, so he got to drive first. I'll never forget the day that he drove out of the driveway on his first day of driving to school and how Mom and I looked out the window and thought, Oh, Lord, wow. Somebody's in for an adventure. We added up one day how many wrecks he had had, and it's double digits, I think. He literally left a trail of destruction behind him. <laughs> I have to say one thing for him. You didn't send him to a body shop when he got through with him. You sent him to a junkyard because they were totaled. <laughs> and every time we got the bill from Nationwide, Pam and I celebrated it's like, yes, they didn't drop us. Our great agent would call and apologize. We're going to have to raise your rates. We're like, please, that's no problem. <laughs> Just don't drop us because we'll never get insurance again. You know what the enemy wants to tell us? It's over. You've made too many mistakes can't be fixed. Your God's about to drop you. You know what God is saying? No. My grace is sufficient. Brother Garrett, the only thing I got to do is keep showing up. 
bringing the pieces of a broken life back. You know what God does? Fixes it. Because He's in the fixing business. My only requirement is to stay strong, to stay faithful, and to trust. And God says, I'll remake that. I'll redesign it. I'll recover that which is lost. I will remake that which was deemed to be unmakeable. I'll salvage something. Can we all stand together today? I believe that His plans for our lives are perfect. And I want to leave you with this one sentence. The Lord fights for us. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online to www.alcalabaster.com. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so that you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and have a great week.